If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Back to the Change Physician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Cady, joined by my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. And we have an awesome guest who is a family physician and also a podcast host. He's known as the Chef Doc. He's also Dr. Colin Zhu. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's uh, such a great uh, privilege and you know pleasure to be here with you guys. So Awesome. Well, we're excited to learn a little bit about your story. I first discovered you on Instagram and I just thought you were doing some really cool stuff, but we always want to start from the beginning. And if you don't mind just letting the audience know, why, what was your interest even in going into medicine in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So number one, um, definitely uh, excited to actually talk to two other DOs as well. Um, so very, very excited. Um, so my journey through medicine is I didn't come from a long line of MDs. Um, in fact, uh, it's quite the opposite. My, uh, my mother, who's you know, the person that raised me, is also a Chinese medical doctor. And uh, she's been practicing traditional Chinese medicine, herbs, acupuncture, um, pretty much for like four decades now. And having grown up in her office, I, you know, learned how she worked and she was a one man show, you know, she did the front office, back office, she was the doctor, janitor, receptionist, call person, scheduler, everything, you know, I think she only started hiring employees, maybe like five years ago. Um, and she's currently 71. So and she's still practicing. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, so through her, I learned the concepts and ideas and ideals of, you know, compassion and empathy and looking at the person in a holistic, you know, manner um, and treating, you know, the person beyond what they look like, what they say, um, their signs and symptoms, things like that. And so, you know, she really, uh, she really, you know, had me understand, you know, the person and their story behind them. And that's how I got myself into medicine. Um, you know, I fell in love with osteopathy. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing until maybe junior year of college. Uh, and, and pretty much, uh, I just resonated with its principles and tenets and, you know, whole body approach, body, mind, you know, spirit, um, everything interconnected. So I just applied to just DO schools. Um, so that's how I got into, into medicine. Yeah. So when you were in medical school, I mean, first of all, what was it like? What's your perception looking back on it? And um, were there, was there any question as to what specialty you go into? Yeah, good question. Um, so I went to West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine, uh, shout out to them. Um, and uh, I loved it. I loved my experience there. Um, I, they, I, it, the deal schools, um, you know, they're kind of, depending on where you go, they're kind of like hit and miss because they're so spread out over the country, obviously a lot fewer of them. And, you know, I was very happy to be with a school that's, you know, historically been around since the early 70s. Um, and we had a lot of great professor, uh, profession, uh, professors um, and who were, you know, extensively published, et cetera. And I fell in love with osteopathy. They had a huge extensive training in the osteopathic manipulative medicine. Um, 
And for those of the audience that doesn't know, we're basically using our hands to diagnose and treat um, pretty much all the different uh, ailments of the body from the outside of the skin to, you know, all the way down to internal organ level. And I loved it. Um, I'm a very dynamic person. Um, I love to move and I really enjoy the anatomy and physiology and the extra osteopathic training, um, you know, to be able to learn. Um, to answer your question about specialty, I, you know, a fun fact actually, because I know you guys are pain specialists, um, was I actually was more interested in going into physical med and rehab, uh, a PMNR doc actually. And I was actually exploring, um, you know, pain and spine and things like that. It wasn't until I took a inpatient rotation at uh, the famous Marion Joy Rehab Hospital um, out in Wheaton, Illinois. And I realized that there wasn't enough medicine for me. And so I started going back into exploring medicine and the different specialties. And I came upon family medicine, family practice as being the most comprehensive, um, broad, diverse, uh, you know, and I loved it because, you know, it wasn't really, you know, when I followed a lot of mentors, I realized that there was always somewhat different, some, you know, somewhat of a new case all the time. You'll never be bored. And I like the breadth of, you know, from delivering a kid all the way to an elderly age, you know, you'll be able to take care of them all throughout that spectrum. And so it presents its, you know, inherent challenges. And I'm a person that really, you know, enjoys having challenges, both personally and professionally. And so I thought that was the best fit for me. Yeah. So I guess the, the next phase is you, you decide to go into family medicine residency. I assume that was just kind of like your standard routine thing. Where, where along that residency training, was there anything about yourself you learned or something about medicine or the environment or anything along the way that gave you this, this light, like maybe a light bulb went off, like something needs to change or needs to be different. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I went into medicine, my initial approach was to kind of marry East and West mes uh, medicine, you know, similar to what my mom was doing. And when I went into the curriculum um, and throughout the years, I started realizing that a lot of the pathologies, a lot of the chronic diseases and conditions that we face as a nation were more related to lifestyle related diseases, you know, like obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. Um, and I realized that in my training, I didn't receive enough nutritional slash lifestyle related education. Um, I, I think the most recent survey that polled medical schools was back in 2010, and they did a national survey, and only 27% of them actually required a nutritional course. For me, at that time, I only received 10 credit hours. It was mostly biochemistry. And I'm sure, you know, between you and me, it's not enough, and it's not comprehensive enough. And so I said to myself, you know, what do I do? And so my path was very non-traditional. I graduated off cycle. I stayed back uh, to become a teaching assistant. So I graduated off cycle and I had nine months to spare before I matriculated into my family practice uh, training. And I said to myself, you know, what do I do? Other people went into research. Other people, you know, went on vacation. You know, they did something, you know, to kind of enhance themselves. I decided that I wanted to learn more about nutrition but not just about nutrition, but more about what food was, you know, what food was about. 
what is the best way to prepare it? Where does it come from? How do you source it? Um, and how is it applicable for all these different things that we see on a day to day? Um, and I decided to enroll myself in culinary school and I enrolled myself into the Natural Gourmet Institute. Um, and it was one of the very first schools at the time in the seventies um, to be a leader in health supportive and plant-based uh, cooking culinary arts. And so I went into that in Manhattan, um, graduated, um, and then, you know, I went into my residency after that. Wow. I'm going to kind of delve into that a little bit more. Did you have an interest in cooking beforehand or was, or did that all just come from recognizing the effect of diet on health that you chose culinary school? Uh, both. Um, so I was very blessed to have both parents cook um, and very well versed in the kitchen growing up. Um, I know a lot of people can't say that. And so I was very familiar in and out of the kitchen. Um, my mom, you know, directly and indirectly, you know, taught me. So did my dad. Um, so I'm Chinese, you know, in background, I'm a first generation Chinese American. Um, my parents came in in the early 80s. And we're, you know, they were traditionally just more like Chinese cuisine, Asian cooking, things like that. My mom was more of the adventurous type and knowing that she has two American children uh, to, you know, they're going to have different, you know, palates and different, you know, tastes and things like that. And, you know, growing up, we didn't eat the most healthy, you know, before my mom really dove deep into uh, her career, uh, they initially came in, um, you know, just they both waited tables. My dad was a college janitor at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom was, you know, waiting tables while she was pregnant with me. And um, before she became a Chinese medical doctor and before my dad became an engineer. And so, you know, our ideas and our perceptions of health wasn't there uh, solidly at the time. And so we grew up like everyone else eating fast food and, you know, eating all these different things without knowing the ramifications that it would have on our health. Um, and so, you know, I was familiar in and out of the kitchen. Uh, we have plenty of family gatherings and, you know, I would contribute and help and things like that. So that helped me to kind of get a basic understanding of going into culinary school. And that's how, you know, I kind of refined everything afterwards. And I think that's really interesting because oftentimes people, well, at least physicians, we, we know we don't know enough about food. We don't know enough about diet. And I think the common sort of default is, well, let me go learn more about diet, like more of a dietitian sort of standpoint, rather than, well, let me actually think about the food and the application of these concepts as well and moving into culinary school. And I, to me, that's just absolutely fascinating. And it seems in a lot of ways also very creative expression because now you're not only, you're not only learning this information, but then you're doing direct application and how do you present food in a way that is beautiful and tasty and, and interesting. Uh, so could you kind of just delve into it? Like what were your first experiences then when you were moving into culinary school, you graduated medical school, you know, you're going into your family medicine residency. What was that journey when you were in culinary school now? Uh, that's a great, great question because it, that during that time happened to be kind of like my first year of really digging deeper into myself as a human being and as a person. And that was where I would like to call, you know, my first year of my self journey, my self work that I did. And so what that means was not only learning, coming out and learning about medicine, but you know, what does it mean to be out there in the world? What does it mean to, you know, because as you guys know, um, and you know, people in your audience, I don't, you know, the general public who are not in the healthcare profession, you know, majority of us, 
uh, go into this in, in our 20s, right? And so, and we spend X amount of years, whether you're a medicine person or a surgeon, you know, we just, you know, dedicate so much years. But a lot of that is, you know, comes at a cost, you know, during the times where, you know, that's kind of like the evolution and maturity of being like a full grown adult, you know, like while we were in school and training, everyone else was already in a career, a job, having families, getting married. And we're, you know, going through the library stacks and, you know, doing all these different things. And so, you know, we're just putting endless uh, hours of time and energy. And so the reason why I say that was that was the first year, you know, as I went into culinary school, that was the first year where I started digging deeper into myself. So I started reading a lot about self-help, you know, uh, self-empowerment, you know, uh, you know, the personal self-personal journey. And so to answer your question, you know, the culinary school aspect, not only about food, but it was also it started to. Uh, hone in a certain type of expression of myself. You know, um, chefs would like to consider ourselves as artists at the end of the day, but just in the food scene, right? And so these are, these different things that came in my life um, really, really helped to mold uh, me to becoming, you know, me at the end of the day, not a, you know, a version of me that someone else wanted or what I perceived you know, that I needed to be because of society, because of culture, because of, you know, a certain generation. I, that year really prompted me to be a individual, right? And then I realized that over time, a physician, uh, a chef, um, you know, a podcast, so all these different things are just merely expressions of myself. And so, you know, learning about me was, you know, the creativity that I had the pleasure of exercising and practicing with. Yeah. It makes me just think about, I mean, I'm really glad you said some of those things about, you know, diving into understanding who you are and, and not these preconceived notions of what, you know, I guess society wants from you or what they're going to uh, be most proud of. Um, I guess, you know, I'm kind of curious just to dig just a tad bit more in that direction I guess, how do you splice that and figure out or, or dig into that and figure out if, how, how do you know if it's really what you want or it's being influenced by others? Like, was there anything that kind of like an aha moment for you? Because there's a lot of physicians out there that I think they, they've kind of been taken down this path and they just think that's who they are because that is how they've been programmed, even though they don't consider themselves being programmed. Was there anything that helped you kind of tease that out or what, what was the best thing for you to help you with that? No, those are, that's a great, great question. Um, I would say a couple of things. Um, Again, you know, I said earlier that I really followed a non-traditional path and it was something, it had a lot to do with really honing into your gut and honing into your intuition right? That kind of compass of yourself and whether to rely on that more so than something else, you know, whether it's like someone else's opinion, um, a guideline or, you know, someone's, you know, teachings, you know, and they're all important, right? At the end of the day, it's about using different tools that you have at your disposal, kind of like as a DO, you know, OMT is a, just another tool in our toolbox, in addition to medicine and surgery, right? So 
you know, for me, it was a lot of trial and error, you know? So after I graduated culinary school and after, you know, I finished, you know, training, I said to myself, what am I going to do? A lot of my colleagues traditionally would sign up for a hospital system or they would join a group practice. And before I graduated from training, um, I met a, a physician um, that, you know, mentored me. And um, I realized that she, before she uh, went into her New York City based practice. Um, she did locum tenens for a couple of years, um, mainly in, I think it was in Pennsylvania that she did before she created her own practice. And I said to myself, what's locum tenens? And I started to research kind of like that aha moment of oh, what's os osteopathic medicine, you know? And so when I allowed myself to be open minded and dig a little deeper, you know, you realize that, you know, you, there's more choices there's more pathways as opposed to what others have been doing you know what i'm saying so as long as you're open and you look earnestly for these different choices you can go down and see what will work for you and then long story short i spent four years in locum tenants i practiced in four different states in various different types of settings and through that i you know said to myself this is what i want to do and and, you know, you just kind of, it's kind of like, um, you know, Michelangelo, you know, the Renaissance artist, you know, and though, you know, uh, you know, though he, you know, he would do a sculpture, right? What he's actually doing is that, you know, he's just chipping away the pieces that are not supposed to be there, right? As opposed to having a, you know, a picture of what he wants, right? And so little by little, that's how I like to perceive it, is that little by little, trial and error and the ability to be open-minded and to um, you know do something make mistakes or have failures and say to yourself it's okay gets you a little bit closer and closer and closer to who you need to be at the end of the day you know what i'm saying so yeah. you're giving yourself permission to explore to really refine who you are and know what you don't want with that kind of alignment. yeah yeah, exactly. And sometimes like it may not be an overnight thing. Sometimes it may take, you know, years sometimes, but honestly, it's not really, you know, it's a cliche, but it's not about the destination. It's right. about the journey, you know what I'm saying? And that process of self-discovery. And I think, you know, as human beings, that's, you know, what we're, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's the whole point of us being here is about self-discovering yourself and, you know, inquiring, you know, why you're here, what's your purpose, you know, where's your drive? And only you can answer that in my opinion. So. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Kevin. I, I think that's just as fascinating too, because, uh, and it has been a theme on this podcast more than often than not is people get, you almost get feel pigeonholed, right? There's this rush you get into this educational process where it's a fire hose of information and then that immediately goes into, you know, first two years, second two years clinical. And when you're doing the clinical years, well, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for, you know, take your test, make sure that you match, figure out what you want to do. Then you dive into residency and the same thing and you, and you just can't get a breath of air. And what I like about that is the level of awareness that it, it whether it was that, that little sabbatical with culinary education or just, you know, natural insight, you became aware enough to say, Hey, you know, where do I want to take this? Let me explore the possibilities. And I never really thought about locum tenens coming out as a, as a new grad out of residency as this opportunity to do that. Right. And, and now it's like, you know, this makes a lot of sense. If you have that opportunity, rather than trying to, to identify the perfect practice, which you will not find coming out of residency because you do not know all the variables involved, yep. 
go out and explore the world. So um, mm -hmm. what, were, what were some of the things that you learned through that journey with four years of locums and four different states under your belt and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and as well as having your culinary training? So what were you yeah. finding when you're going around the country? Um, again, um, it was a lot of fun. And I think the theme of, I guess, what you will take, what everyone will take away from this is really just that exploration, you know, phase, you know, and that I feel that it's always kind of like a continuation, you know, there's, for me, I feel more satisfied and fulfilled that I will continue to evolve and continue to learn, you know, because as doctors, um, you know, doctore is a Latin, you know, definition of to teach, you know, at the end of the day, as doctors, we're here to teach. And, you know, to teach, we also need to be receiving to learn, right. And so, you know, I use that opportunity to humbly, you know, always be, you know, in that mind frame of a, a beginner, of a student, um, of someone that, you know, never really, you know, at least never really wants to master anything, just always in a mindset of continuing to learn. So in terms of locum tenens, I said to myself in the beginning, I was like, you know, even though I'm a family physician, it's like, I don't know what kind of doctor I'll be. You know, I don't know what my, you know, strengths and weaknesses are. I don't know what my style, you know, and, you know, finesse will be my personality. And so I said to myself, you know, instead of locking myself, you know, in a long-term contract or, you know, because, at, you, know, you know, when you come out, people are very enticed and persuaded to pay down your school debt, uh, to not live the resident life, uh, to not, you know, be in a certain, you know, they want to get that car, they want to get that house. And so in exchange for that, they'll get the bigger contract, you know, salary contracts and things like that. And even though money is important and, you know, use, I said to myself, um, you know, what kind of lifestyle do I want to lead? And I said to myself very early on that work-life balance was very important, meaning that I do want to work and continue to serve in whatever capacity, but I also want to have enough time for myself, time for my family and friends, because those are important to me, um, to be able to explore that and also explore all these different types of passions and interests that I have in addition to the food, you know? And so locums allowed me to do that. Locums, what I've learned over time was, you know, you just go and work. You just go and be a doctor. You know, I didn't have to worry about the red tape. I didn't have to worry about the bureaucracy, the politics. Um, you know, I didn't even do a lot of uh, the meetings. I didn't even have to go to most of the meetings. All I did was show up and work. Um, and so it, it, for me, I, I allowed myself to just get exposed to just working as a physician. And then over time, I started to learn how I practiced as a healthcare professional. Um, my first assignment was um, out in Vegas. I worked on a Indian health reservation and um, a big obese and diabetic population. Um, and I, you know, had a lot of fun time with them. Um, you know, I was only there for give or take like seven months. On average, I, you know, work um, at six months in one place and I'll move on. Um, naturally just happened that way. And it was more of like, you know, I feel like I've done what I could here and then it's time for me to go. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I, at the time I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. And so that also allowed me to, you know, traverse the world, you know, in, in that type of fashion, not to say that it's impossible to do with a family. Um, I talk to physicians all the time about it. Um, but that allowed me to do that. And then from there I went to New Orleans and I went to the VA and I practiced there. 
um, in awesome, awesome, you know, uh, city, uh, history, culture. It was my first exposure to, you know, Southern hospitality. Um, the first, you know, being a Jersey boy, you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we like to keep to ourselves, you know, we go from point A to point B and we get things done and, you know, uh, you know, like to keep to ourselves. So my first day walking into the hospital, um, I step onto the elevator and, um, you know, a lot of people, it's a hospital, right? A clinic, every single floor, I'm literally stopping up and every single floor, you know, someone comes on to the car and, you know, you're greeted. You're like, hello, good morning. You know, someone steps on and then they push the button and we go into the next floor next level happens. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Next floor goes up. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, do they all know each other or something like that? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on? And so what I realized is that people are just so nice and so genuine and so good hearted, good, you know, uh, good soul people. And I found that in different parts of the country. And you realize that after meeting, you know, so many different kinds of people, populations, practice settings, you know, you just learn what you prefer and what you don't prefer. And, you know, how much, you know, you would want to, you know, give of yourself there. So, um, you know, I went from the VA, went to Seattle, you know, I did community health there. And then I went to Santa Cruz. And then I ultimately, um, you know, landed in California. So and, you know, based here now. So yeah. So you mentioned a whole bunch of hobbies. And we've had many times we've talked to our guests about the fact that we lose touch with our previous hobbies, or kind of forget what our hobbies used to be. And either try to rekindle them or maybe discover new ones what are besides food what are your other hobbies um so i'm a very physically active person um i've been you know athletic uh, most of my life um i did track and field in junior high i played some you know recreational basketball and then around the last year of college into medical school i discovered triathlons and um so i started picking that up been doing it ever since. Um, and I just started doing other kinds of races, you know, so triathlons is uh, swimming, cycling and running, you know, and I was never really an endurance runner. I was more, I was a sprinter when I was in junior high. And so I, you know, took up, you know, I just did more of that, you know, because when you go to these different assignments and travel so much as I, because I personally travel over the world, um, you know, before COVID, um, you realize that you have to be kind of like a minimalist in terms of, you know, keeping up, right? Um, I think traveling both personally and professionally really teaches you flexibility and, at, you know, being adaptable and being able to pivot, you know, and that really helped me, you know, in times like this, you know, when the country is under a crisis and it teaches you, how are you going to pivot in your life? You know, this tests, you know, your resiliency, right? Um, this tests, you know, how, how your perseverance and your tenacity. And so a lot of my experiences have helped me, you know, kind of, it's, it's almost like Jenga, you know, it's like it, it builds on each other, you know, um, and it just supports the person that you are. And of course, I, you know, like every other person and human being, I've had my, you know, ups and downs and mistakes and things like that. Um, you know, when I was in uh, residency, I had a bout of depression, um, you know, uh, in the beginning of the uh, uh, pandemic, you know, I, you know, had a lot of, I, you know, I've always had chronic anxiety. Um, I have uh, OCD, you know what I'm saying? And I'm very vulnerable in, in, in sharing that. And, um, and it, 
and it's part of you know being a person, being a human being. And the more vulnerable you are, um, the more other people can relate to you, and that's how we connect with one another as as people. You know, that's how we connect. You know, as a physician to a patient, because at the end of the day, we are people. You know, I just wear a lab coat. You know, so it's um, you know, you life experiences teaches you you know, to, to really mold yourself and it really tests you. And at the end of the day, it's more about self-awareness and, you know, when giving a certain decision or an event or something, some obstacle, you have a choice, you know, do you face it or you don't, you know, do you bow down or do you leave, you know, and there's no right or wrong to it. It's just making a choice and being okay with what happens after that. Yeah. Thank you for, just bringing those topics up. There's so much you hit on. I know Kevin probably wants to jump on some of those, um, but I, I just want to make a comment that that vulnerability and your expression of, of these human experiences um, to allow people in and to, you know, more normalize and rather than shame them for what they're going through themselves. Um, you just made me think of wanting to share the work you're doing with your podcast and with Instagram. Can you just give your, your purpose or mission, what your hope is that what you're doing, what it can do for those out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so after, you know, in the beginning of my family uh, medicine, um, I found this organization uh, called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And I've been involved with them since 2013. And basically, they're, they're a, they are a nonprofit academic, you know, college uh, specializing in evidence-based uh, lifestyle-related uh, approaches um, to be able to treat, prevent, and reverse chronic lifestyle-related diseases. And so that was probably the most uh, resonating type of area that I wanted to practice in, in addition to food as medicine, you know, which is the reason why I used the culinary education to enhance everything that I did. Um, and so, you know, I took that, the food, and I took the lifestyle. And then through my own journeys, I created a third component um, called Thrive Medicine, uh, which, you know, is a book that I wrote. But it's really about, you know, um, highlighting, you know, thriving and the concepts of thriving and not merely going about, you know, your day-to-day -day routines. And so um, in the book and what I've learned was that, you know, when you look at society and, you know, as a whole and kind of how I touched upon earlier is that people kind of, if they don't question it, they kind of live in this type of routine default life, meaning that you're born, you know, you get raised by society, parents, church, um, you know, family, things like that, you're told to go to school, you know, get a job, you know, get married, you know, work until retirement, have kids, you know, and then you die, right? And so it's very, you know, I try to make that as, you know, simplistic as possible. It may sound kind of morbid, but if you think about it, that's how most of us traverse our lives, right? And so I, 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 I was skeptical, skeptical uh, about that question. And I said to myself, you know, does it have to be that way? And so over my experiences that I've shared, um, you know, so far was that I have lived a very non-traditional life and I've done a lot. Um, I've been very humbled and blessed that I've, every, I've touched every continent on this planet. Um, and I've been able to accumulate the experiences that I accumulated um, to the point where that, you know, I don't live with regrets, 
you know? So if I were to die tomorrow, I'll be okay with it, you know, because I've been very happy with my life. And so I use that concept of thriving because I personally thrive myself. And so I wanted to teach that to others. And hence, that's the reason why I wrote that book. Um, and so, you know, I created the Chef Doc, which is an avatar, which is an online wellness resource um, that I started in January, 2017. And it teaches those three things, food as medicine, lifestyle medicine, and thrive medicine. And so um, what came after, you know, out of that was, um, you know, uh, just a lot of resources, tools for people to use, um, and uh, just, you know, just things to continuously to teach. And I practice family practice, you know, in an outpatient setting where, you know, I love the rapport of physician and patient and being able to teach, be able to empower someone else. But it comes with its limitations. You know, the average, you know, visit for a primary care doctor is like five to seven minutes. And, you know, how much teaching can you do in addition to, you know, medis uh, you know, medication, prescribing, referrals, looking at your records, right? And not only that, you know, we don't get trained to teach nutrition and lifestyle, you know, bringing it back home, right? And so I took all this extra measures to be able to do it on a grander scale. And so a book is going to hit more people, you know, reach out to more people than I could do in four walls. A podcast can reach you know, more people than I can do in four walls. And so that's the point of it is to create a ripple effect is to, you know, touch others, to turn on a light bulb, to make them think differently, you know, and let them say, let them, you know, have a choice in the matter because in order to live the best version of your life, you have to be given out all these different choices, you know? So if I didn't have locums as a choice, you know, my life would have been entirely different, you know? Well done. Kevin? Uh, nothing to add right now. I, I really <laughs> appreciate the time that, that you spent. Uh, but I, I do think there's a, there's a couple key takeaways is, is I, I just want to actually applaud your awareness. The fact of the matter that not only did you do things differently, you saw it as a strength, right? Some people, well, I'm off cycle and this means this and da 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 But you took this and you took those opportunities and really opened them up. And the, the other part is I'm still just, if you, if you have the opportunity, it just seems to me like an almost no brainer rather than pigeon yourself into a practice, do something different when you're coming out of your residency and go into locums. It just seems like that, that is such a smart decision. Um, I was a military physician, so that was a little bit different, but, but that's, that's just a powerful, powerful, powerful opportunity. And then the third thing is this idea of deferred lifestyle, like the deferred living. And I think as physicians, we can, we can fall into the trap so easily where, you know, what we're going to supposed to, you, you go out, you do a traditional practice, you may or not be, be happy with it, but you save a bunch of money and then 30 years from now, then you can retire and then you can do the things that you love. Correct. And Correct. why? Like what you're saying is you can do, you can do both. You can figure out the balance and then you're not waiting 30 years from now. You're actually incorporating these key things. It just makes, takes a level of awareness and a decision to do the work and to actually prioritize things to make that difference. So I just, I just want to actually applaud you on that. I think that is Thank uh, you. a lot of insight and wisdom there. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it comes back to priority, you know, and being, uh, having an understanding of yourself and what you prioritize, you know, at the end. Uh, for me, it's about memories and experiences and my time uh, spent with loved ones. You know, um, you could always make more money, but you can't, you know, you know, renew time. Once time is spent, 
you know, you can't get it back. And so I learned that concept really early on. And so I prioritize my time in terms of family, in terms of relationships, in terms of, you know, what I want to do. You know, I love traveling, you know, so most of my money, money went into traveling, you know, and learning about all these different things, you know, um, other people, it's, you know, material things, you know, I, I don't really care much for material things, you know, um, I've lived, you know, I, when I was traveling, I, you know, stayed in hostels, you know, I, you know, before Airbnb came along, uh, you know, I stayed in hostels, I stayed in, you know, budget, you know, um, places, I lived very, you know, frugally um, to travel, but at the same time, I was able to, you know, experience and uh, have different types of experiences and I was able to, you know, benefit from it. So it just depends on what you prioritize in life. And so, um, you know, time is short, you know, I was on another podcast and I said that time is short, you know, but time is also, you know, uh, time in life is also fragile, you know, as the pandemic has taught us. And so at the end of the day, you know, why does it matter what society has, you know, for you or has a say, you know, you can even question why, you know, you know, why does it matter if mom and dad has a certain say, or, you know, even a significant other, you know what I'm saying? And you do respect that. But at the end of the day, it's your life, it's your own shoes that you're living in, right? And so what do you want to do with the time that you have on, you know, on the planet? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to make a difference? Do you want to be of service? You know, do you want to contribute? You know, and I think that, um, you know, one of the keys to happiness, you know, quote unquote, is really being of service. You know, one, one of the keys of, you know, happiness is continuing to learn and to continue to evolve, you know, so. So many great words, you know, Colin, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to give a little pitch for where people can find you and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me on my website, um, pretty much everything. It's kind of like a hub for everything there at www.chefdoczoo.com. So C-H-E-F-D-O-C-Z-H-U.com. And uh, you could find me on, you know, Facebook. I do Facebook and, and Instagram are um, uh, my, uh, the handles that I use the most at The Chef Doc. And uh, those are, you know, links to my podcast, my book, articles, uh, resources for you to use. Um, you know, I, what I teach on my podcast is plant-based living, um, emotional resilience, and thriving. <laughs> so... Um, and I interview people from all over the world on my podcast from, you know, doctors, chefs, dietitians, um, coaches, passionate, passionate people um, that thrive themselves um, on, you know, on my show. And, um, you know, I just love giving that energy back to people and for them to learn something. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your energy uh, on our podcast for the world. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Kevin, you right. want to take us out? No, I'll take us out. And I think that's a good place to end here. Colin, thank you so much for coming on The Change Physician. And for my wonderful co-host, Dr. Melissa Cady, and myself, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, this is The Change Physician Podcast. Please join us at thechangephysician.com if you want more information. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for joining us today on The Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.